What's everyone? Travis. Today I have a solo episode for you. It's been a while since I've done one of these. So I thought it'd be a great idea to kind of get caught up with you, have a cup of coffee in my elbows tight cup, and yeah, just kind of like see how everything's been going behind the scenes. Obviously, the last couple episodes have been interviews. Sorry, I drew a blank for a second. They've been interviews. So I wanted to sit down and just kind of give a recap of how everything's going on my end and and the cool things that are going on behind the scenes. So first thing that I want to talk about is I saw a YouTube video. Oh, so the plan behind today's episode. Talk about some content that I've been seeing lately that I thought was interesting. Talk about you know, my coaching and stuff like that. And then get into some questions that you guys have asked. So thank you guys for giving me questions to actually talk about. (laughs) But the first thing I want to talk about is the Tyler Spangler video. If you guys haven't seen it yet, Tyler Spangler is a YouTuber black belt who recently released a episode that he gave his brother his black belt as they dropped into an academy and told everyone his brother was a black belt. And the video was super interesting because one, Tyler's brother has no formal training, so he says, but man, that guy moves really good for someone that's never trained jujitsu before in his life. I guess, I guess he's a, a like the byproduct or the <laughs> Tyler's black belt skills kind of went over to him. Um, but so he gave his black belt to him and then he went to an academy and rolled with a bunch of people at an open mat and It was crazy because it made me think about, are we respecting someone's belt too much when we roll with them? And if you guys hear my kids in the background, I'm sorry, Uh, but he's, he's rolling with these, this purple belt and this purple belt, I feel like it's just giving him way too much respect. Like doesn't necessarily look like he's going super hard with him. Doesn't necessarily look like he's trying to advance his position too much or to, really submit him or anything like that and then he rolls with a blue belt female blue belt and it's the same thing it's like I feel like these people just weren't trying super hard with him and it got me thinking how I roll with black belts and I will be 100% honest with you I'm the exact exact same way not saying that I put black belts in compromising positions or anything like that but I definitely do feel if I do get in a good position for myself that I do not back off because once again, I'm not trying to say I give black belts a hard time, but I do feel like if I get into a position where I possibly have a submission or I possibly can get in mount or do something, I start going through these questions in my head of how did I get here? Did they just give me this position? Are they going to think that I'm rolling too hard? Am I trying too hard? Is this what they wanted? So I'm just, I start like second guessing everything that I'm doing in that situation. And if I talk to any black belts or any belt higher than me, they all say the same exact thing. And it is, bro, don't, don't, if you have a submission, go for it. Like if you're going to get past my guard or mount me or, get on my back or something like that, you should 100% go for it and you should 100% try to put as much effort as possible into getting that position respectfully, right? We don't want spazziness, but if you're a higher belt rolling with me, you should be able to control all of me. (laughs) Hot topic, but... So I just thought it was interesting to see that these people that 
one guy like was a purple belt and he was a little bit smaller than Tyler's brother and he could have put it on him. I felt like way harder, but he didn't. And it was interesting to see that these people weren't taking advantage of positions or his brother's mistakes. And even Tyler says in the video that he feels the people respected his brother's belt too much, even though he wasn't a real black belt. Um, and so that was just interesting. I was like, I was like, man, I'm glad I'm not the only one that does it because I definitely go through it in my head. Like I mentioned, those questions of how did I get here? Are they letting me do something? I fall, am I falling into a trap? You know what I mean? Like, is this person just doing this so I can get submitted? But in reality, I should just stick to my game plan, stick to what I was doing, and then keep keep trying as hard as I can to to advance and and do that. So if you guys find yourself at home rolling with a higher belt and you're thinking in your mind any of those questions or your second guess and how you got there or whatever it is, don't. You know, if if you're rolling with a higher belt and you they get submitted by you, it's that's good. Like either you took advantage of a opportunity or they were working their BC game and you took advantage of that too. And you got to also think if if you are afraid to submit a higher belt, then you're also kind of, it's going to sound weird, but you're also kind of dampening their training as well because maybe they want to be submitted so they can see if they can get out of a position or see if they can advance their position or like I mentioned, put on their B or C game. So don't psych yourself out at home. If you're rolling with an upper belt, there's definitely moments where you might catch them because they've made a mistake or they're working on something else and you should fully capitalize on that. And that's something I honestly need to work on too. Um, not to sound like a hypocrite. I know it's something I need to work on, but I've talked to my black belt buddy about it and he's like, no, nah, dude, you should totally <laughs> take advantage of it. And you should do that at home too. So if you guys are at home listening to this, submit the higher belt. Even if they come at you afterwards saying it was more of a crank, bro, you got him. All right, keep going. <laughs> Uh, and then the next video that I saw that I thought was very interesting was I entered a BJJ tournament to prove it doesn't work by Jesse Encamp, and he's more of a karate guy. And in the video, it's interesting. I'll link it down below too. In the video, it's interesting because he does a couple private lessons with a MMA fighter, and he gets some like basics going on, and then he enters a tournament as a white belt, and he shows his competition footage and what it, what it shows to me is uh what really happens when you don't engage with jujitsu and i think that's the whole point of his videos he talks about like if the jujitsu doesn't work if you never go to the ground so he made it a point to like not engage with the person which i think i'm kind of like torn by it because as someone that's entering a competition and you know, the other guy is like, in the video, you could tell he's like legitimately trying. He's like trying to pull guard. He's trying to get to like X, trying to take the guy down or take Jesse down. And Jesse just like disengages, disengages, disengages. So to his, to give him credit, he does prove that jujitsu doesn't work if you never engage with the person. But that's also a lesson in like to you guys at home, like your jujitsu is not going to work if someone doesn't go to the ground with you. So you shouldn't fall on the ground like Cron Gracie did in, in the UFC. Uh, but you know, Jocko Willick talks about it too, that your first resort should be to disengage and get away. So keep that in mind too. But I feel kind of bad for the person he entered the competition against because he was like trying and this guy's like sitting there making a YouTube video, kind of like disproving that, you know, it doesn't work. And I think, I think it's the wrong environment to do that. 
to tell you the truth, I think a jujitsu competition against uh, someone of the same skill level uh, who's trying to compete in a competition isn't necessarily the best way to do it. I think more along the lines of like going to an open mat and then rolling with a bunch of different people and then trying it is something different. If you're going against a less skilled person, that's not necessarily jujitsu saying jujitsu doesn't work because that person isn't very skilled themselves. You know what I mean? Like if you were to roll against someone that actually knows jujitsu, uh, a blue, purple, brown, black, or whatever, and then you try to do that, they're going to have a much better time of taking you down or imposing their will. So it's not necessarily to say that. And he, you know, it was just obviously just for clicks and to to make content and and show, you know, you don't have to engage. But I just I just think it his point could have been proven better or disproven better you know what i mean so but the link's gonna be down in the description below if you guys want to go check that out it's a it's a cool video i watched the whole thing it's kind of getting some you know backlash from the jiu-jitsu community but it's whatever man it it, it it happens uh people are gonna especially you know other martial arts because jiu-jitsu people are kind of douchey when it comes to how how you know this whole <laughs> idea behind jiu-jitsu is the best martial art which i do th i think it is i think it is right but uh, I'm not going to go into a karate academy and freaking do jujitsu in a karate academy. Well, maybe I am. Maybe if you guys want to see that at home, let me know. But yeah, so go check out that video. Let me know what you guys think down in the comments below or message me on Instagram and let me know what you think about the whole thing. Fresh ball fall is upon us and you need to be in the festive spirit. Light a candle and get some pumpkin spice and make sure your balls look nice with today's sponsor, Manscaped. Nature may clear the leaves for their trees, but you'll need Manscaped to get ready for that sweater weather. Get your pants puppies prepared for cuffing season with a trim that's refreshing as the fall breeze going to manscaped.com using code ETP20 for 20% off and free shipping. I remember the first time I trimmed my balls uh, and it was a nightmare. To give a visual idea of how bad it was, my balls looked like Jim Carrey's The Grinch when he shaved his face for the first time. Now, instead of hearing, look at that hack job in my head, now I hear, oh, those are some good looking jewels. But now you've heard of them. But it's time you join the 9 million men worldwide using Manscaped to get the kit that covers it all, the Performance Package 4.0. Bring the fall in right and get 20% off and free shipping with code ETP20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using code ETP20. As the leaves fall, make sure you have it all with Manscaped. Um, another thing I want to talk about is my recent coaching journey. Uh, I talked to Cody today, our academy owner, and he asked me to officially become a coach at Virtuous Grappling over here in Silverdale, Washington. And of course, I said yes. If you guys know anything about me and my background, uh, I absolutely love coaching. I was a CrossFit and weightlifting coach for many years, and uh, after I found jujitsu, I stepped away from CrossFit and weightlifting and, be, and just picked up doing jujitsu full-time, well, not full-time, but as like my main thing. And so Cody mentioned that we were rolling one day and he said, Hey man, I've really missed you as a coach. Do you, would you ever come back and like coach jujitsu? And I told him, absolutely, dude. That's, I I've always wondered why you've never asked me to coach, you know, uh, coaching is something that I've always loved. I always love helping people. It was probably one of the best parts of me finding CrossFit was becoming a coach. And now I have the opportunity to help people again through coaching. And right now I coach the fundamentals class and it's been so much fun 
teaching people again. I missed it so much. The nice thing about teaching fundamentals too is we get a, a, a variety of people from our academy, not just brand new practitioners, but I get to ins- inspire, hopefully inspire people at the beginning of their jujitsu journey to want to keep training. And hopefully I teach them something that uh, allows them to be better and to uh, grow as a practitioner and hopefully affect their journey in the long term. So that's that's what I'm super excited about right now. I, and I can't believe I have the opportunity to do it. And I'm super grateful that Cody gave it to me. And with this whole new coaching approach, like uh, my our last the interview that I did with Kabir, uh, Kabir Bar or Kabir Bath, sorry. You know, I like I've really been going deep into the ecological approach of uh, skill acquisition, ecological ecological dynamics. And Greg Souders is you know one of the more prominent people, but also like Kit Dale, Robert Nackey, all these guys are basically do well some of them are very overtly about eco- doing ecological dynamics and some of them have been doing it for years and no one's even realized it and so i've fallen in love with coaching again and the ecological approach to doing it and if you guys haven't listened to the last episode i'm not going to go too deep into it but the last episode with uh, with kabir is a, is a great um explanation of what it is so it's basically task oriented games that you do in your jujitsu class instead of drilling to promote a series of actions or reactions to help teach a technique, I guess you could say, if that even makes sense, if I'm not just rambling there. So like I mentioned, I write out all my lesson plans. I start off with a, a warm up, and then I go into kind of like an explanation of core concepts when it comes to these positions, whether it's side control, back mount, mount, and then also if we're going to go over submissions, the key concepts and ideas behind what you need to do in order to submit someone from these certain positions or with these certain submissions. And the whole idea is not to give the person as little as possible to figure it out, but to not give them the answer. And what I mean by that is kind of like putting them in the position and then letting them figure it out with, with, by not holding their hands and not giving them a step-by-step on how to do it. So if I were to do a head and arm triangle, what I would do is I would put them in the head and arm triangle first. And then be like, this is the head and arm triangle, or this is a head and arm choke, or whatever. Uh, so this is how you're going to finish it. These are the things you're looking for to finish it, and these are the things you're looking to stop if you don't want to get choked. And then we would play a game from there, whether it was, okay, the person's going to have a, uh, the person's going to have a head and arm locked in, and you're going to sit there and you're going to try to get out of it. Or and the person with the head and arm is gonna hold it for five seconds. If the person doesn't get out, then you're gonna start applying the choke and then you know reset. Or if the person gets out, reset. And then you do that for three to five minutes or however long you want to, or flip flop every time someone gets submitted. And it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. And the people doing it seem to really enjoy it also. And I think it's a great way to get people to do jujitsu from day one. And I, I used to think it wouldn't work very well for 
new practitioners because in my head, I was like, they're not going to understand these concepts. But if you could just, what I've learned is I just break it down very simply and try to give as not like the overall like conceptual idea of behind it, but Keith, very, you know, the very bare minimum, what we call the invariance, the things that have to happen in order for the submission, guard pass, whatever it is to happen and how they should approach that to happen, if that makes sense. So uh, it's been it's been a lot of fun. I've definitely been enjoying it. I love coaching. I'm so happy I'm back to coaching. And I'm super grateful that Cody's given me the opportunity to do it. And hopefully I will be able to speak more intelligently about the eco-D, I guess you could call, approach. I, I did. I was saying ED in the last episode, and then people were like, "Oh, Travis, ED is like erectile dysfunction." Yeah, I know that. Okay, I know that. I'm not talking about ED. That's why I prefaced it with ecological dynamics. I just don't want to keep saying ecological dynamics. Okay, so I guess I'll start calling it Eco D. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's that's something that's been going on with my coaching. Uh, I should be coaching every Monday now. So I'm going to be writing a lesson plan out every Monday if that's something you guys want to check out. Uh, maybe I'll start an email list and you guys can get my coaching plan through an email list or something like that. Or maybe I'll post it in the Facebook group if you guys haven't already joined the Facebook group. It's going to be down in the description below. And something that I use to help with these coaching ideas and games and stuff like that is honestly Jordan Pressinger's jiu-jitsu theory course, right? He he talks a lot about jiu-jitsu theory in there. He never really goes over actual techniques. He goes over the the ideas behind these positions like I was talking about. And it's super useful, man. Even when I'm like, oh, I'm not exactly sure what is the concept behind X, Y, and Z or how to escape Psych control, or uh, these are just whatever. So what I would do is I would go into Jordan's course and I would rewatch his course on what I'm trying to teach, and then take notes, more notes, and be like, okay, so how can I make a game around this? In you know maybe three or four different games to slowly get to this, and it's been great. And Jordan and I are still working on the collaboration, so you guys can still get the twenty five dollars off with the link down below using elbows type twenty five at checkout. If you guys haven't got it yet, I promise you. What's what's a great feeling is when I log back into my Jiu-Jitsu Theory course and Jordan's add more to it because it's a live document. So he's been adding more sections and then more details and more theories into the Jiu-Jitsu Theory course. So it's already he's already added like four or five sections to the Theory course since I've bought it. And I love seeing it. I'm just throwing it out there. I love seeing it. So it's it's cool. It helps out a lot. And he makes he makes these concepts more tangible for everyone. So if you guys haven't checked it out, link's gonna be down in the description below. And uh make sure you guys use code elbows tight25 there. It's I'm telling you, it's worth it. Gentlemen, first impressions matter. And if you're not taking care of your skin, that's gonna be the first thing someone notices and instantly thinks you're way older than you are or you don't care about your appearance. Show them you do and make a great first impression with Caldera Lab. Caldera Lab reached out to me to promote their products and I gave it a month try before even bringing it on the podcast. And as someone that has had adult set on acne and growing up, my skin has always been a problem with me. It was something that I was a little bit hesitant about, but I 
I am super excited that I started to work with them. Their stuff is phenomenal. I use it twice a day, once in the morning, once in the evening, and my face has never felt better. In jujitsu, we often make the joke that <laughs> jujitsu adds lots of years onto your life and makes you look way older than you really are. Well, with Caldera Lab, you can stop that and you can make yourself look your age again. Whether you're an older practitioner or a younger practitioner, Caldera Lab has something for you and their products are great. Caldera Lab knows the skincare world is heavily female driven and has long been the wild west for men. That's why they're making the solution simple. The regimen includes three products, the clean slate, the base layer, and the good. The clean state starts and ends every day. The base layer is a daily moisturizer to hydrate your skin and jumpstart your day full of confidence. The good is a multifunctional serum at night that helps your skin look tighter and smoother as well to help reduce visible wrinkles and fine lines. And just for our audience, 20% off with code ELBOWSTIGHT at CalderaLab.com and make unforgettable first impressions that lean to the charming words, you look younger. Once again, that's 20% off at CalderaLab.com using code ELBOWSTIGHT or click the link down in the description below and use code ELBOWSTIGHT for 20% off. Thank you, Caldera Lab, for sponsoring this episode. So, and then I went on YouTube or I went on Instagram and I went on the Facebook page and I asked you guys for some questions. And so I'm just going to go over some questions, starting with the Facebook group first, because obviously if you're part of the Elbros community, uh, then I'm going to do your questions first. And I'm trying to get out of the here in, you know, the next 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes to keep this episode around 30 minutes. So if I don't get you guys question, join the, join the community and I will for sure get your question every time. So starting off, why did you start BJJ? I started BJJ because Cody, Cody Smith, the gym owner is a former MMA fighter. And I've talked about this before. He was talking about starting a jujitsu academy. And I have a little bit of grappling experience with uh, wrestling in high school, the semester of wrestling in high school. And I always loved wrestling and grappling and stuff like that. So when he mentioned it, I was like, dude, absolutely. And so he opened up the academy right next to our jujitsu or right next to our CrossFit gym, came and did a weekend three-day three day seminar with the first black belt that we were under. And dude, loved it. Loved at first sight. Love at first choke. I don't really know if I should say that. With, sorry, baby, if you're listening to this. But it's been a journey, five over five, five and a half years now, maybe five and a half years of doing it. Uh, haven't looked back since. And now, obviously, you guys know jujitsu is a huge part of my life. It is something I do for fun, content creation. I try to help people as much as possible with jujitsu. So uh, it's it was well worth the, the seminar. Uh, next question is, oh, all these questions are coming from Mike over in the Facebook community. Uh, what do you think was your biggest obstacle this far? My biggest obstacle this far in my jujitsu journey has by far been my personal life. <laughs> Since I started jujitsu, I've worked two different, only two different jobs, but both of them required a lot of traveling and a lot of time, a lot of overtime. And once I got out of the Navy, I realized, uh, how hard real life is outside of the military. And so, <laughs> and so I, I freaking, I used to train a lot and I would, you know, take every, every moment I possibly could to train if I was able to. 
And then once I, uh, my wife and I got married, we started having kids, and my job even got more demanding, I've come to realize that I don't get to train as much as I want to. And I'm okay with that because I want my family to come first, obviously, because without them, I wouldn't be able to do anything. So that's my biggest obstacle is just the life life balance between jujitsu and life and work life and jujitsu. And I'm still trying to figure it out. I don't have a perfect answer on how to overcome that, but I'm getting there. And uh, eventually I'll be able to, once my kid's a little bit older, I'll be able to dedicate more time to jujitsu again. So uh, going to the next one, let's see, there's a couple. Where do you see your BJJ hobby and show in three, five, 10 years? Oh, well, I'm not going to go over each one, but my, my long-term vision become a black belt, obviously. And then, and I would love to be full-time content curator with the podcast and then Elbows Tight is, is an LLC. And I, I kind of want to change it to like a media group to where I can do sports photography, more YouTube videos or whatever, maybe sponsor people, something like that down the line. Try to help affect the jiu-jitsu community as much as possible. And that's probably more of a 10-year uh, goal. But I would love to be able to quit my job and do this full time. If you guys know someone that's looking for a uh, slightly above average content creator and are willing to pay them, I'm here. <laughs> All right. Next question is from Boo over at the Facebook group. We'd love to hear about people's note-taking systems. I have been using a Notion database. So for my, my note-taking skills... What I do is I have jujitsu journals, which they're all downstairs in my my gym bag. But I have jujitsu journals, and when I remember and I'm not in a rush to get back home, what I'll do is I'll take notes directly after class, and I'll link to the ones down below, the ones that I have, and I'll probably just link the best one. I'll just link the best jujitsu journal down that I that I own uh, that I can vouch for. Uh, it'll be linked down below, and uh, I I'll sit there after class and I'll I'll handwrite it because I feel like there's it sticks better when you handwrite it, when you're not sitting there trying to type it. Or I think there was a study done that showed that handwriting notes or handwriting uh, pretty much makes things stick better. So that's what I've been doing. I do handwritten notes into my journal and it has prompts in there who I've rolled with, techniques, um, my weight, all that kind of stuff. It, it has a whole bunch of stuff in there to help me remember uh, but if you guys use something else, comment down below, shoot me a message on Instagram or whatever, and let me know which, how you guys take notes, if you do take notes. If you don't, what do you do to remember stuff? Because uh, I can't remember things for the life of me, and <laughs> so I need all the help I can get. Support for today's episode comes from Waterboy. Waterboy is a hydration powder scientifically formulated to cut your hangover time in half. There are other hydration packs on the market, but nothing comes anywhere close to fighting those Sunday scaries like Waterboy. With zero sugar and over three times the electrolytes of Liquid IV, your hangover doesn't even stand a chance. Unlike other competitors, Waterboy has added ingredients beyond just hydration to help with that nausea, the anxiety, and fatigue. For a limited time, our listeners will get 15% off your entire order with code ELBOWSTIGHT at waterboy.com. Waterboy not only sent me the weekend recovery, but they also sent me the 
athletic hydration recovery. And I must say, using the other electrolytes drinks, Waterboy is by far my favorite. Liquid IV has way too much sugar and causes me to have like a stomach ache uh, during practice. And Element is good, but it's a little too salty for my taste. Waterboy has great taste and isn't overpowering with that sodium. Inside each stick, there's ginger that helps with the nausea and to make your tummy feel better. And there is also L-theanine to help calm your nerves and reduce your anxiety. Their scientifically backed formula truly brings back you from the dead. Waterboy is also gluten-free, caffeine-free, dairy-free, vegan, and most importantly, made in the USA. Hundreds of thousands of people already trust Waterboy as their hangover cure. For a limited time, my listeners will get 15% off when you use the code ELBOWSTIGHT at waterboy.com. That's 15% off with code elbows tight at waterboy.com. Waterboy has got you recovered. All right, next one is going to be Darren from the Facebook community, Elbros over on Facebook. Darren says, Have you ever felt a bit lost with too much information around now? Absolutely. And that's why I stopped looking for a lot of information because. I felt like there was just so much information out there that it was doing more harm than good for me because I I didn't know what to look at. I didn't want to look at the wrong thing. And, and I was, you know, a lot of people aren't very good instructors. And so I was just like, I'm just not even going to bother. I'm just going to sit there and focus on what's going on in class, focus on the things going on around me, and then figure it out from there. I I don't even really watch instructionals anymore but besides Jordan's and then very few and far between just because I know myself and it's it's hard for me to completely have the most from it. I guess, how am I going to say How do I want to say this? Uh, to gain the most from it without hurting me because if I'm focusing on something, if we're focusing on something in class and I'm watching an instructional, uh, that's taking up valuable space that I should be probably learning what's going on in class. <laughs> but, uh, if you guys are looking for information, you should start with what you're learning in your academy and then kind of work from there. That way you're showing your instructor respect, but you're still feeding the beast of wanting to learn more. So try to focus on what you're learning in your academy and it should help out quite a bit. All right. Next one is from Instagram, and it is, what's been the hardest part of building the Elbows Type brand podcast over the years? Getting people to listen. <laughs> That's the hardest part. Getting people to care about me as a person and my guest and what I have to say and not feeling like an imposter. That is the hardest part. And the way I've done that is through being consistent, having the same message, uh, but being able to recognize when my message is probably wrong, like when it came to like belt promotions and stuff like that. And then just being authentic. Um, people can sense when you're not authentic, you know, people can sense when you're fake or you have this facade and there, you know, there's obviously jujitsu content creators out there that might, some people might feel that way about, I might be one of them, but I try to be as authentic as possible and give you guys as much as me as possible. And so, that's been the hardest part is just growing the audience. Now, you know, we're we're getting bigger and it's been cool to see and it's cool knowing that people actually enjoy my content and people actually want to hear what I have to say. But that first initial getting people to care 
it just takes consistency and then, you know, scare money don't make money. So you got to put yourself out there in front of people sometimes by using your money through ads or through promotions and stuff like that. And that helps out quite a bit too. And then honestly, like when it comes to like sponsorships and stuff like that, um, sometimes it's luck. Sometimes it's luck. So, but yeah, that's been the hardest part. Let me know if you guys uh, have ever thought about starting a podcast and you need some help. I'll help you out also. Next question. Once again, over from Instagram, what got you started in BJJ? Already covered that, so I'm not going to re-say it, but there's three parts to this. What were your initial goals? What are they now? My initial goals and my goals now have slightly changed. I still want to be a black belt. I still want to train for as much as possible for as long as possible. My goals back in the day were to get my blue belt as fast as possible, achieve that. I think I got it in like 18 months or something like that, which was a fast to me. It might be slow to some people. Some people are purple belts by then. But for me, 18 months was fast. And then after I got my blue belt, obviously it was like to get my purple belt. But the way that goal changed was I didn't care as much and I'm not trying as hard to get my purple belt. Um, when it comes, it comes. You know, my goals now are to be um, a coach, to be a super good coach, to help people as much as possible, to be a good father, to train hopefully two times a week, <laughs> not five, six times a week. And yeah, just like still grow as a practitioner, grow as a content creator. And I really use my jujitsu to like help others. So what what I mean by that is I do jujitsu to get better at jujitsu. I do jujitsu to learn jujitsu, obviously, and to be able to all the things that come with it. But really it's to help connect with you guys better. And that's because, you know, you guys are the reason everything happens. So if it wasn't for you guys, then I wouldn't, I wouldn't have the, this platform. I wouldn't have met these people I have. And, you know, my life would be completely different. So I don't necessarily do jujitsu to be the best at jujitsu anymore or necessarily to be super good at jujitsu, but more along the lines of to be more relatable and to have lessons that I've learned to hopefully pass on to you guys that haven't learned them yet or are in the process of learning them to help me or to help you, you know what I mean? So that's kind of where my jujitsu uh, goals are now. If I get a purple belt, I get a purple belt. If I don't, it's not going to stop me from training, and it's not going to demotivate me from training. Uh, promotions are great, but once again, like I could be a blue belt for the in the entire time. I don't want to be, but it's not going to it's not going to affect me too much. All right, next question is from Phil, one of my old training partners. How do you feel your game and approach to jujitsu has evolved oh, since you started? Man, my my. Game ha hasn't really necessarily changed except for I've gotten fatter. So that's changed it quite a bit. I'm not as fast and fit as I used to be, which is okay. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit bigger now. So I, I may, I'm now playing more bottom instead of trying to pass and to, you know, be the aggressor all the time because I am a little bit bigger now, which, which is fine. Uh, and it's evolved because of like my life, you know, I, kind of goes back to my goals. I can't train as much as I used to. So now when I do train, I try to be as intentional as possible with my jujitsu when I do train. That way I could get the most out of my training sessions as where before it was more along the lines of just training as hard as possible, submitting as many people as possible. And, you know, it, just kind of trying to be the best on the mat, even in, in every aspect. 
which kind of was douchey. Obviously, white belts make mistakes. Now that's not my goals anymore, and I've evolved from that, and I've grown as a person. So that that's that's how it's changed a little bit. All right. Gi or no gi? Is it a debate or preference? I think it's a preference. I prefer gi. I love no gi, though. We just don't train no gi a lot because we just we only have two no gi classes a night, and I I can't I can't be there for the gi classes and the no gi classes because they're on opposite days and they're after coaching. So maybe when my kids get older, I'll be able to do them when you know they're a little bit easier to handle and they're more independent from my wife and I. But as of right now, they're they're pretty they're pretty dependent on us even to put them down and, to, and whatnot. But maybe when I get older or when they get older, I'll be able to to go and do more classes and my wife will be able to go to the gym and, and whatnot. But as of right now, uh, I do mainly gi because it's where my coach is. And so he can get eyes on me and see my progress. And then too, because that's where all my friends are too. And uh, I can't be at the gym at every class, unfortunately. Same one from Ben. If you guys know Ben, he was the editor of the the Instagram Reels. Uh, ben says, I see you do mostly gi. Have you explored heel hooks in your own game? Yes and no. I understand the mechanics of heel hooks. I've done a couple of heel hooks in no gi, but that's about it. <laughs> uh, the only time I really roll no gi is when someone shows up to the academy and they're in no gi and I'm like, hell yeah, okay, I guess I'll roll with you in some no gi and I'll take my, my blouse off and my pants off and uh, have shorts on, obviously. Are you getting any ideas there, guys? Um, and then I'll roll nogi, and then if a heel hook presents itself, it, it'll present itself. I play a lot of like single leg X, and I'll play on the bottom a lot, and I like playing X guard and whatnot. So there's a lot of times when people turn, I can uh, you know trap a leg and go free heel, heel hook or knee bar or something like that. I love playing legs, leg entanglements. I'm not very good at them, but when I do get to play them, I do enjoy them. So, but they're they're not part of my game per se. Maybe one day, maybe one day. Kabir, he says, when should I be back on? I don't know, guys. Do you guys want to hear from Kabir again? Do you guys want to hear more about the ecological approach to skill dynamic or skill acquisition? If you do, I can have Kabir on again. And there's, there is going to be other people from the EcoD uh, genre that will be coming on the show also. All right. And then final question. Looks like I got to all of them. <laughs> final question from our good friend, Thomas Rosinski. Would you rather be at the very end of your journey? your jujitsu journey or at the very beginning? Great question. At the beginning. Because if I'm at the end of the journey, that probably means a couple things. I probably got injured. I probably am so busy in my personal life that I can't train anymore. Or three, I'm dead. So definitely don't want to be at the end of it. I would rather be at the beginning of it again. And because that means I'm young, fit, healthy, Travis. Oh, well, I mean, I won't have my kids, which would suck. Can I have my kids in this scenario? If my kids are there, I'll, I'll go back to the beginning of my journey. But <laughs> but if it's at the end of the journey, it's probably because I'm old and, and crippled and and probably dying soon or I've died. That got kind of morbid. What a great way to end the show. So thank you guys so much for listening and watching at home. Hopefully you guys enjoyed these Q&As. I definitely enjoyed them. I would love to do these maybe once a month you know, with the solo episode, giving you guys a little update outside of 
you know, trying to teach something or give you guys some perspectives on way to look at it. Uh, don't forget to check out the YouTube page if you guys are listening to this at home. I've been posting more podcast clips lately because I want to grow the podcast on YouTube. And we're almost at 1,000 subscribers. If you guys haven't subscribed over on YouTube, please go do that. Check out the sponsors down below. If you guys have made it all the way over here to EBI Overtime, let me know what you got thighs, thought about the the episode. And yeah, go ahead and leave us a five-star review and everything like that. You know what? Let's read a five-star review. You know what we're going to do, guys? We're going to start reading reviews from you guys. So we're going to start off all the way at the beginning. And this or this review is from Rachel's Born in Barn. Born in a Barn. Four years ago. Y'all are awesome. I like the fluid conversation. Totally engaging. Thank you, Rachel. <laughs> that was a friend of ours. <laughs> so if you guys want your uh, review read on the podcast, then go ahead and leave a five-star review. Leave a comment. And yeah, you can do it anywhere. And if I can see it, then I will read it. So thank you guys so much for listening and watching at home. We'll catch you later. Peace.